Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. We have to believe that God is at work when we are not at work. When I don't have my laptop on, I've got to believe that God is actually going before me and talking to prospects and softening their hearts that they want to do work with me. That when I am doing something else, when I'm on the ground playing with my kids, when I'm hanging out with them, when I'm having coffee with Kylie, when I'm talking to Camden about something, I've got to believe that there's a conversation happening with people thinking, hey, we may need his services or we may need him. Same thing with you. You've got to believe that while you're engaged with family matters, God's at work, and there's people thinking about reaching out to you for the business. That is what this is about. Not getting up early, staying up late, but believing that God's got the night shift. Other important piece of all this, all right, great. Now now we're starting to maybe see God's got the night shift. Well, what are you going to do while you're at home? Are you actually going to be playing with your kids, or now it's like I'm just going to sit on the couch and look at all the ESPN scores from the weekend? Or I'm going to check on my stocks? Or I'm going to play video games? None of those are awful in themselves. But if you're doing it instead of, now we've got a miss. So if you're going to be home, we need to be present with our kids. We need to be present with our spouse. We need to be present with the family and not in another room. If we're going to raise kings and queens in our home, we need to be present and intentional. Week two. We talk about, it's not about you or him. I'm sorry, it's not about you, it's about him. So as I think about that and and I was kind of reflecting on it, I'm like, yeah, my my life, I know I'm not the king, God's the the king, and I kind of get that from my life, and I'm not perfect at it, and I usually screw up, and then I got to pray about it the next morning in forgiveness. But where this really starts to hit is who's running my house? Am I the king of my house, or is, in fact, Jesus the king of my house? Because when I'm the king of my house, and maybe this is the same for you, it's about perfection. I want my kids to get straight A's. I want my kids to be the perfect, nice, well-mannered kids. Because they're wearing, you know, our name when they go out in the community and to the school, and so I want them to represent well. And so it's about perfection if we're not careful and we're raising our kids. But if Jesus is king of our house, it's not about perfection because he knows we can't be perfect. It's about progress. Getting better each moment at a time. In 1 Corinthians, actually it's 2 Corinthians, I need to flip my page. See, I've got moving here. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18, it's from one degree of glory to another, we are being transformed. That's what Paul talks about, by one degree at a time. It's not perfection, but it's one degree at a time we're going to get better. I love how through parenting and with our kids, we get little winks from God about what's going on. My Camden, my 13-year-old, she's a competitive gymnast. Just to give us some context, she's level 8. When you kind of get to college, it's level 10, a little bit beyond. The ranking's a little different, but you get an idea. So it's within shot that she can do college gymnastics. Like, it's a dream of hers. It's now becoming like a, all right, it's a dream of ours. This could be a reality. 
So occasionally I'll go to practice. I remember this one practice I got to sit in and watch, and I'm up there watching, and she's trying the skill, and she misses, and she misses, and she misses. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Maybe this college thing's not a good idea. Maybe she's not going to be able to do this. She finally hits it. So I, get, I go, to, go to the car. She's obviously a little bit later. She changes and does her thing, and we get in the car, and I'm thinking, well, she's either going to be crying or we're going to have this big, big discussion. I'm going to have to start, you know, kind of set expectations of all this. And so I say, Camden, how was practice today? She goes, great. I said, what? What do you mean? And she said, because it took her about 10 times to get that skill that time. The previous week, it took her longer. And I just was like, that's our journey with God. It's not about perfection. It's about getting better each time. It's about making a mistake and recalibrating faster. It's about being a jerk to your daughter about coffee and recalibrating quicker and asking for forgiveness. It's about getting in an argument with your spouse and instead of giving her the cold shoulder, which I can do, sorry, hon, that I recalibrate faster and ask for forgiveness and man up. It's about progress. The verse Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Train up. You don't need to train if you're perfect. So throughout scripture, you just see constantly, it's about progress. It's about training. It's about getting better by the day. And so in our houses, we in fact have got to be thinking about progress over perfection. A tool that I found to be extremely helpful in my home, I think about it a lot, it's also fantastic for leadership, is this matrix that will, will, right here. So when it's high responsibility versus relationship, it's these two. Don't read all the grid of, the, of everything just yet. Hang on. <laughs> Close your eyes. But here's what's amazing about this relationship versus responsibility. This is how Jesus operated. With the woman at the well, he invites her into a relationship and says, I have living water. But then yet he challenges her into responsibility to say, you have been married to five men and the man you live with is not your husband. This responsibility relationship, this truth and grace, this invitation and challenge is the same thing he did with the disciples and he's doing with each one of us. Come, follow me. Now go and make disciples. That's the same thing we need to do in our homes. And with a lot of us, we may err in a couple of different these areas. High responsibility, I can do this at times. Make your bed. You need to study harder, get straight A's. It's all about responsibility, cracking the whip, you know, minimizing cell phone use. And once again, these are all things that are good, but it's kind of figuring out where do you bounce. But if you are all responsibility, no relationship, they're little soldiers. These are some of the people that go crazy when they get to college. Back at the bottom left, relationship and responsibility, if you're just absent. You're an absent leader at home. You're an absent, uh, absent leader at the office. You're an absent uh, parent at home. The kids are lonely. They're isolated. Top left quadrant is something that all of us also can battle with, especially coming out of like during this COVID time. Where it's more about relationship, we want to be their best friend. We say yes to everything because, man, school's hard. they got to wear a mask all day or they're in virtual school. That's hard. I, yes. 
Yes, you can spend the night at your friend's. Yes, you can have a second bowl of ice cream. Yes, yes, yes. We say yes because we don't want the responsibility. You see this with some families where the kids get to make all the decisions. Hey, family, where do you want to go out to eat tonight? And the seven-year-old says, I want to eat here. And everyone's like, okay, let's go eat here. They become spoiled. But what we need to do is what Jesus did is calibrate between the two. It's relationship and then it's responsibility. And from that, a kid feels loved. Because with responsibility, they know you care. A little consequence here and there, they know they, you care. And then obviously relationship, we all want the relationship piece. And so it's bouncing back and forth. So as you lead your family and you think about progress or perfection, this tool has been super helpful to me. We move into week three. We talk about how dark hurt light heals. We hear about David's story and Bathsheba. And I have a um, podcast I have every week. It's called Win a Home First. I had on um, Brian Tome, who's the pastor of the church that I go to. Some of you are reading his book right now. Five Marks of a Man. And at the beginning of every podcast, I ask the question, what is a key trait to win at work and win at home? His response was resiliency. And I loved his response. We talked about the resiliency and with just everything going on, how families need to be resilient now, maybe more so than ever. Meanwhile, I've been doing some reading on some different things and resiliency keeps popping up. In 2011, two psychologists from Emory University did a study that they believe that these students, based off 20 questions, could only answer them if they had heard stories, read stories about family and about kind of their family traditions and generational, what would take place. What they did from this study is that the kids that got the most answers correctly proved to be more resilient. The way they handled miss, misses and tests, the way that they handled just some of the challenges, they were more resilient. That was a study done in 2001. What's interesting is God talks about it in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 3.9. Andrew would always say this too. I'm going to do this because I've been watching you have Bibles in front of you, and if you turn to Deuteronomy, and feel free to take them. Feel free to take the Bibles, and I don't go here, so if you need a chair, too, you can take a chair. I do love that you always said that. And I, I, see, I paid attention. Back to the Word. Deuteronomy, only take care. And keep your soul diligent, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life, make them known to your children and your children's children. Share stories, it builds resiliency. God talked to us about it in Deuteronomy. We got psychologists telling us about it in 2001. We've got to share stories. Dark hurts, light heals. We, we talked about that, and how do we do that? We need to start sharing. If we want to raise kings and queens, we have got to share the wins and losses with our family. There's been, obviously, many challenging parts about coming clean in an affair. Another challenging part was telling my three kids. We told each of them individually and gave them the age-appropriate details that they needed to hear at the time. Two reasons I want to tell them. One was, it's a watch out. 
I want to stop a generational sin that I may have started and sending it down. And my oldest specifically, we'll see how the other two are wired, is, but my oldest is a lot like me. She's going to get to this moment that she very well could take her identity to her work. That's not working out. I'll take it to my spouse. That's not working out. I don't want her doing that. So I want to tell them this is a watch out. I screwed up. I don't want you screwing up. But the other reason I told them, and the most important reason, is I wanted them to know that just because they make a mistake doesn't mean God's done with them. That I get to talk on a stage right now and share, God's not done with me. He's taking my brokenness. We've heard heard the different uh, cliches. He's taking my pain and making my platform. He's taking my mess and making my message. But I wanted the kids to know that if they do stumble, this is not permission to go stumble at all. That's a whole other conversation and sermon. But if they mess up, it in fact is not the end of your story. It could, in fact, be a beginning part of your story because God will use all things for good as he promises us in Romans. And so that's why I told him. It wasn't fun. And we still will talk about it at different moments, for sure. But to raise kings and queens in our houses, we have to share wins and losses. And here's some ways to think about doing it. Share the wins. If we have a good month in our house financially with the way things shook out, or maybe the kids have something good going that was abnormal, we celebrate it. We'll get a bottle of wine for Holly and I, not the kids. <laughs> the kids get lemonade or Shirley Temple. We'll get, we'll get steaks. We talk about it. We celebrate those wins. And with that, we all call it out. We thank God for his provision. I will thank and affirm my wife for her help because she runs the house as such a good CEO and does all the things with the kids. I don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff. She's going out of town this week, and it's always such a great reminder of how I need help. (laughs) But in through all that, I thank them, I thank my wife, and celebrate the win with her because she had just as big as part of a big month that I did. Then for my three kids, because they are good students, good kids, good all these, I can concentrate while I'm at work. So we share our wins in our house. We also share our losses. Not only the big ones, but the little ones. If I'm in a bad mood, and my kids say, Dad, what's the matter? I just don't say, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Man, Dad, you know, Caleb, is a tough day. I lost a client. The guy I liked working with, it just, it's okay. We went different directions, but I'm just kind of bummed. I'll share, we share losses in our house because I want them to know to share their losses. Just the other day, we had a bad grade in the house. We talked about it. And so we talk about losses. We get through them together. So if you want to be, build kings and queens in your house, share wins and losses. Last week was about the heart, that God is going after people whose heart align with him. And so we, you know, we understand that intuitively for ourselves. But we've got to be doing the same thing for our kids. So in Genesis... It talks about how we each were, then God said, Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let's make man in our image after our likeness. Every single one of us in this room have God-like characteristics because we are made in his image. And so each of us kind of know that, but do our kids. And 
Do we affirm it in our kids? And do we even affirm it in our spouses? A phrase I like to think about in this whole process is who over what? When your kids, when your loved ones, they do something good, what are you affirming? Hey, great job, son. You scored two goals in a soccer game. Or, still congratulate on the two goals, <laughs> but I loved how you went and thanked the coaches after the game. I loved how after we got scored on, you picked everybody up. Or straight A's. Great job on straight A's. Do we compliment just the straight A's? That's the what? Or do we compliment their work ethic and their resiliency if they got an F on that quiz? But remember how you studied and you picked it back up? Because here's the deal. When we affirm the who of they are and it goes to their identity, that is permanent. When we affirm the temporary, that is temporary. And what happens? What happens when they don't score two goals? Do you not love them anymore? That's what they may be thinking. What happens when they don't get straight A's anymore? And this high school starts, they move into college, and it's more difficult, more demanding, and they just can't do it, and they get bad grades. Are they going to question who they are? Are they going to question their love? Are they going to question their identity? Who versus what? And start doing it on the day. Help them understand their heart to help it align with God's heart. So we need to do this on the day. One thing we did in our house to take it a step further, and it's, it's in my book, and I give the, all the details of it, and so you guys can take that and copy it for sure. But an identity ceremony. I want to do an identity ceremony. People in here that are roughly my age, we've seen the, uh, you know, the MTV version of uh, you know, the 16th birthday and all that. I'm not talking about that, and they get Mercedes and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm talking about the kind where we do exactly what we're talking about, affirming who they are. So for each of our daughters, when they turn 13, we did this. We'll do something similar to when our son turns 13. What we want to do, I won't give all the details, I'll just share this one particular part, is we wanted to affirm five character, character traits that we felt God was wanting us to affirm in each of them. Your words could be different in what you want to call it to your, your kids. We took some words tied to verses out of Proverbs 31, which is about the godly woman, and so we want to affirm them. That the particular night of their birthdays, we had you know, people come around, we... we we read some letters, we did some prayers, but a highlight of the evening is when we went outside to the fire pit. There's a verse in Exodus 38.8 that says that the women had to hand over their bronze mirrors so that they could be melted to make the wash basins at the tabernacle. I, I love that idea. I'd never heard of that idea. Meanwhile, I, some of us may be familiar with the idea of burn the ships, from the 1500s where Captain Cortez, when he took his army into Veracruz and they were going to go to battle, they all get on land. He torches the ships and says, we can't lose this fight. There's no turning back. We're going that way. We have to win this battle. So people have done this burn the ship idea of burn your past and let's move to the future. Taking those two ideas, we blended it together. And what we did is we gave our daughters each, you know, they did their night separately but we gave them a bronze mirror and a Sharpie and said, write down all of your image issues that you think about, your identity issues. I don't know what they wrote down. It's private. But I'm sure it has something to do with body. I'm sure it has something to do with boys liking or not liking them. Straight A's, um, sports, 
all of it. I'm sure it's all the stuff they wrote down. Like I said, I don't know what they wrote. But then they threw it in the fire. And we all watched it melt. And as we watched it melt, we then gave him a brand new bronze mirror. And it had those new five words embroidered on it. And we said, what just burned is not what you're defined by. What just burned is not who you associate on the day-to-day with. Yes, those are challenges that you are faced with. But instead, these five words, and there's many other words of God's you know, character that you have, but this is who you are. Will they remember every moment of it? No, probably not. But they will remember that they have God's characteristics inside of them. And they're going to remember that moment. And so if we are going to raise kings and queens in our home, then we need to start affirming God's characteristics in our kids, in our spouses, and in our homes. Have that be a way of talking to each of them. So as we bring the band up, a few things we talked about today just to think about. And there's a lot of information thrown at all of you, and there's different things that's all you're processing But what I'd like to just encourage you is maybe not all four points you have to think about, right? It's progress over perfection, and what does that look like? We talked about vulnerability over veneer. Actually, I don't even think I said that phrase during this part. It's the problem when you practice. You forget some things you said didn't say. But vulnerability, veneer, who over what, those things, you may not be able to do all those right away. There's this thing that I talk about with information, we get, all get consumed by information. It's podcasts, it's books, it's sermons. We all get so much information that sometimes it's information overload. We don't do anything about it. And so my encouragement to all of you is you got some information today, whether it's one of those ideas, four, whatever it is, whatever it is, take information plus implementation will lead to transformation. And so that is my hope is as we go home to that we raise kings and queens thinking through that and before we sing i'd like to just close out in prayer just to kind of send you guys off with these thoughts dear heavenly father just thank you so much for this time thank you for these words that others have shared with me that i get to share today and lord i also know what implementation looks like when you leave a sermon you're like i'm gonna go try this at home lord there's spiritual warfare So, Lord, I pray for a hedge of protection around each of these families as they leave, that when they go home and they try something, that they just feel your embrace for giving it an effort, that there is not the spiritual attacks against them as they look to implement. Instead, that they will gain some ground, Lord, as we are all trying to grow closer to you one degree at a time. Amen.